0: Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911.
1: Jesus 911 on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Ruben and Jesse. Uh, we're 10-8. Jesse, how are you Reporting doing?
2: Reporting for duty, sir. Yep, we're 10-8 Ruben. Uh Another day to serve our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to serve the Queen Mother. Yes. Ruben, you know, on today's first topic, one of the things that I'm glad is that I never chose the route of politics. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, I I, I believe that people that have that much power, it's going to be very hard for them to humble themselves. To live in a state of sanctifying grace and to surrender their life to Christ. Yeah. It's just, um, there's just some occupations that are just a little bit more difficult for somebody to embrace a life of faith and humility and, and hope and uh, and surrendering yourself to Christ. So uh, I'm just uh, thankful that we are not politicians, Ruben.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is true. And uh, it's... And we're going to see this cranked up in the next uh, couple of weeks here with, with the midterms coming up. It's going to get ugly. And uh, there's going to be a lot of—one uh, thing, I don't know if you've heard, um, and I don't have the exact quote on me, but Gavin Newsom is putting signs up, our, our governor here, yes, uh, yes. signs up across, you know, um, in red states that— uh, He's putting him up. yeah, come to California for your abortions, you know, and he and he's trying to quote scriptures, you know, saying he loved thy neighbor. You know, it's just it's it's disgusting. This uh, guy's sick,
2: Ruben. No, no, no. This guy's a sick puppy. And I'll tell you, uh, Gavin Newsom, Ruben. I never realized how, how demented this guy was. It's bad. He's also. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. I'm um, I'm also reading here where it says. Catholic leaders opposed to human composting law. California Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom on Sunday signed into law a bill that would allow Californians to have their bodies composted after they die. The state's Catholic bishops opposed the measure and the church authorities have regularly weighed in on this issue as well as a related issue surrounding cremation. So apparently you'll have the option to have your body compost it and uh, your family can just bury it, uh, you know, just place it around a tree or a bush or, you know, wherever they want wow. something to grow.
1: That's crazy. And, he, you know, he's uh, he's he's planning a run for president. I think that people are saying that if if uh, Biden, oh, yeah. Biden doesn't run, he's going to uh, put his 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 you know, he sees
2: Biden how he sees how weak Biden is. Yeah. And uh, Ruben, this guy, this guy lives in an alternate reality because this guy thinks he's doing a great job in California. Yeah. yeah. And the only reason California has any money is because they got that, you know, they got that stimulus money, billions and billions of dollars from from their buddy uh, Biden. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why California is solvent right now. If it was if it wasn't for all that federal money that that uh, Biden threw at them, uh, that state would be it would be pretty broke, Ruben, because the, the Dems don't know how to run an economy.
1: no. And, you know, I think the last count I heard was something like 600,000 people have left California for other states. Yeah, it's... It's
2: It's a a record. It's never been that high before. I mean, you know, usually more people go into California than leave California. Yeah, exactly. But this is the other way around.
1: Yeah, so uh, pride is getting in the way there, so...
2: Yes, sir. Well, let's talk about pride. Okay. Go ahead, Just start it off.
1: Yeah. Why pride
2: is the birth mother of all sin? This is written by a Catholic priest, In our first look, fresh look at the seven deadly sins, we now consider the deadliest of them all, pride. Usually people say, me first, always first. So said the man waving a gun, having just emerged from his car in an intersection in a case of road rage that almost turned tragic. Isn't that a vivid illustration of the deadly sin of pride? We've been uh, taking a fresh look at the seven deadly sins. You know, you have envy, sloth, gluttony, anger, lust, greed. But pride is called the birth mother of all deadly, deadly sins, according to Catholic theology. Pride is the worst of sins because it involves a full scale inversion of reality. If sanity is an ordering of one's life in harmony with reality, the sane person says, God is God and I am not God, and I must act accordingly.
1: Yep.
2: A, a man, both fallen and wise, will say, God is all holy, I am not holy. And so I am not pleasing to God. I must be reconciled with God, a task that requires my cooperation but is beyond my power. Someone both sane and wise will be well disposed to hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But pride is the worst of sins because it involves a full-scale inversion of reality. Pride is delusional, spiteful, bitter. At its root, it declares, I don't want God to be God. I want to be God. That sounds like Satan. I would rather have anyone or anything be God except God himself. Pride is arrogant. That is, pride arrogates. It presumptuously attributes to oneself the status, rights, and merits of another. It seeks to attribute divinity to the creature, which would be ridiculous if it weren't so deadly. That's exactly the sin of Lucifer. Reuben.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a mystic, stigmatist, martyr, and Carmelite nun, uh, St. Miriam Barodi, Sister Mary of Jesus Crusoe, that was her her name she took, describes pride this way, the proud person is like a grain of wheat thrown into water, it swells, it gets big, expose that grain to the fire, it dries up, it burns. The humble soul is like a grain of wheat thrown into the earth, it descends, it hides itself, it disappears, it dies, but to revive but it, to revive in heaven
2: oh, what a beautiful thought
1: uh-huh. it isn't surprising to see that we must talk about humility as a remedy for pride but first we must see how terribly damaging pride is how pride is a rejection of our status as creatures with the with the nature and limitations and a rejection of god who is absolute and sovereign consider these uh, observations from cardinal sarah in a res- recent interview hope he's the next pope <laughs> that would be great Cardinal Serra sees the whole Western civilization crumbling while the fourth century barbarians conquering Rome came from outside. Now the barbarians are inside. they are those who refuse their own human nature, who are ashamed to be limited creatures, who want to think of themselves as de- dem- demerges without fathers and without heritage. The Merge is just, uh, it, there's a couple of meanings. A powerful creative force or personality, a public magistrate in some ancient Greek states, or, or could it be a deity in Gnosticism or Manichaeism or other religions. Um, the Cardinal explains that by refusing the human network of dependency, inheritance, and filiation, these rebels are condemned to enter the naked jungle of competition in a self-sufficient economy. Rejecting dependency, inheritance, and filiation... These are the sheer marks of pride. To be a creature is to, to be dependent. A creature must admit that he did not bring himself to into existence and cannot sustain himself in existence. He's dependent for his very existence upon the supreme being who created him. Consequently, that supreme being is worthy of gratitude and worship as a matter of justice. To that realization, pride says no.
2: Jeff. To be a creature, living in time is to have an inheritance. We must be good stewards of all the wisdom and achievements, the examples of good and bad, that have been bequeathed to us by our ancestors. It is undeniable that over time our ancestors proved repeatedly that men are men and women are women, that family is the building block of human society, that betraying God leads to betrayal of neighbor and betrayal of self. I can learn from my ancestors that if I desire what is bad, I must reorient my desire to what is good. To that realization, pride says no. To be a creature is to be affiliated and affiliated. We are made in the image and likeness of God who is a person. We are begotten by a divine person who is rational, free, and good. Our dignity has divine origins. For Christians, we are adopted as sons and daughters of God because we are affiliated. We are also affiliated. We are sons and daughters who have brothers and sisters. We have an obligation of justice and charity to our fellows, to our fellows including the preborn the elderly the sick and the weak to that realization pride says no saints and sages have always said that the uprooting of pride begins with humility simply a telling of the truth about god and about ourselves don't un- un- underestimate the power of humility saint john climacus reminds us Humility is the only thing that no devil can imitate. That's a powerful Mm. line right there. I'll say it again. Humility is the only thing that that no devil can imitate. Uh, That's an important point, Ruben, because, for example, let's just talk about the extraordinary, the charismatic gifts. The devil can, can imitate a locution. The devil can imitate the gift of tongues. The devil can imi- imitate yeah. prophecy. He can imitate all the extraordinary gifts. The devil can even levitate people. Mm-hmm. God can levitate, angels can levitate, the demons can levitate. And, and so, but the only thing the devil can't I- imitate is the, the virtue of humility. And I say this, Ruben, because there's a lot of Catholics that are cases of possession. What, what'll happen is. Is because they have what's called spiritual lust or spiritual gluttony. You know, they'll go to the parish basement on Tuesday night with uh, you know Susan from parish council, and you know they'll start praying, Oh, Holy Spirit, give me the gift of tongues. Oh, Holy Spirit, give me the gift of prophecy. Oh, Holy Spirit, give me the gift of interpretation. As they're whipping themselves up in an emotional frenzy with song, and they're raising their hands up in the air, guess what, Reuben? Mm. You know who also shows up to those events? Satan. Because Satan sees... There's a lack of humility, that people aren't happy with what God has given them. And what they're doing is, uh, as the Council of Trent says, that none of us can merit the extraordinary gifts of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of these people, instead of getting the gift of the charismatic tongues from the Holy Spirit, they end up getting the gift of tongues from Satan. Right. And they end, up, they end up becoming cases of in, uh, in, uh, in rooms of, uh, of uh, solemn exorcism.
1: All right. Come we'll be right back. Continue to talk about pride on the other side of the break.
0: Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Good morning, Jesus 911.
1: And uh, we're talking about pride, and uh, on the first segment, and we're gonna f- uh, finish up with that here. And uh, you know, when when I looked at the scripture, Jesse, the um, the book of Proverbs says that pride goes before disaster, and a haughty spirit mm. before a fall. It's better to be humble with the poor man than to share plunder with the proud. And you know, G. K. Chesterton, he he even remarked, if I only had one sermon to preach, it would be a sermon against pride. <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah, Ruben, all the great writers of the church, like St. Augustine was asked, what is the greatest virtue? He said, well, there's three actually. He said, humility, number two, humility, number three, humility. Mm. So you have the all the giants, St. John Vianney, the giants of the church are always talking about the importance of tapping into the virtue of of, uh, of humility right. to overcome not only our fallen nature, but also the, di- the ordinary temptations from Satan. Ruben, let's move on to an article written by our friend father dave nix uh, the article is called he who is not against us is for us and what he does it, what he does in this article ruben he talks about again he knows that we're the one true church and he affirms that but he also also admits that there are protestants that seem to be more catholic than some of our bishops i can name you a few ruben when i hear them speak they speak more catholic than some of our bishops Mike Huckabee, uh, Mike Lindell, uh, Franklin Graham—I mean, those are just a few off the top of my head that I can tell you. Oftentimes, when I hear them speak, they sound more Catholic than some of our bishops. Mm, yeah, and that's that's the point that Father Nix is making here in this article. He says the late Father Gabriel Morth was the chief exorcist of Rome in the 20th century under Pope John Paul II. In his second book, "An Exorcist More Stories," he recounts on page 124 a soldier with a demon who had originally met with him but couldn't make future appointments father morth writes continuing with the story of this young soldier he called me to cancel our fourth appointment citing military duties several months later i received a letter from him he told me that he had to leave rome because he had been suddenly transferred to northern italy he gratefully thanked me for the help i had provided and joyfully reported the events That had led to his complete deliverance. Ruben, what led to his
1: complete deliverance? Well, the soldier wrote this, uh, the exorcist, out of the blue. He says, uh, I'm completely healed. It was the spirit of Jesus Christ who cast out the demon I had inside. I did not believe I could be healed because the pain was so strong. Even less did I believe that I could be healed so quickly. By pure chance, I met a member of an evangelical Christian group who perceived my condition and invited me to receive the prayers of his community. I did, and the group prayed over me for a long time. The next day, I could already notice a great improvement. The following Sunday, I was invited to visit their church where they invoked the Spirit of Jesus Christ over me. This provoked the same strong reactions that I I experienced when you were blessing me. After praying and doing battle with the demon for half a day, they took a break and asked me to come back late in the afternoon. When I returned, they began praying again, and when they helped me, And they helped me to invoke the cleansing spirit of Christ. I fell to the ground when I was able to stand up again. I was free from pain. I felt liberated, light. I was myself again, the person I used to be. I thank you again for all you did for me. I felt it was my duty to write to you and give you witness to what Jesus Christ has done for me. The Lord accomplishes all sorts of miracles. He heals drug addicts and he frees victims whose curse is much worse than mine was. I want to give him glory with the witness of my deliverance.
2: I'll tell you. Uh, I'll give you the theological reason why this happened, because Protestants have one valid sacrament; it's baptism, and oftentimes with that one sacrament, they seem to do more because of their 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 their, their faith in Christ. They seem to be do more oftentimes than a lukewarm Catholic does with the benefit of all seven sacraments, mm. and so the catechism explains the some of the power that a protestant may have when they pray over somebody in paragraph 819 it says furthermore many elements of sanctification and of truth are found outside the visible confines of the catholic church it's talking about protestants for example they have what the written word of god the life of grace faith hope and charity with the other interior gifts of the holy spirit as well as as well as a visible element Christ's Spirit uses these churches and churches, that would be the Orthodox, we consider them churches, and ecclesial communities, those are Protestants, as means of salvation, whose power derives from the fullness of grace and truth that Christ has entrusted to the Catholic Church. All these blessings come from Christ and lead to Him and are themselves calls to Catholic unity. So in other words, Whatever good comes out of a Protestant prayer group, it's because they've derived their power and their theology and their Christology from the Catholic Church. So there's going to be some movement, some positive movement. There's going to be some power that's going to flow through. Uh, I'll continue the next paragraph. It says, Father Amorth says, Father Gabriel Amorth then does his best to explain why some non-Catholics may have achieved an apparent liberation of an obsessed individual, even as non-Christians. And, um, the letter included his name and address and the address of the of the Pentecostal Evangelical Christian Church that the Lord had used to heal him. I must confess that at first the letter was a bit disconcerting. Then I thought about the Gospel of Mark and the rebuke that John, the apostle, received from Jesus because of the following words. Mark nine thirty eight, Teacher, we saw a man casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he was not following us. Close quote. Instead, Father Moore says, I tried to admire the faith of that community and to learn from the soldier's experience.
1: Mm. Go ahead, Ruben. Okay, so he put the following on the back burner. Okay, no, this now Father Nix is saying, put the following on the back burner before we consider the final recipe of his blog post. One of the infallible dogmas of the Catholic Church is that outside the Catholic Church, there is no salvation. Here is what numerous popes have said about extra Ecclesia. Well, I, I, we've got a whole list of quotes from, from, uh, that, uh, from, he calls it E E N S extra Ecclesia Nolo salus.
2: Outside but, the church, yeah. there's no salvation.
1: Right. So <sighs> we'll, 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 make a couple of quotes on that in a minute here, but the father goes on to say, I will refer to this simply as E E N S for the rest of the, the blog seemingly unrelated. Please put this on the back burner before going forward. An ordinary is a Roman Catholic bishop who governs a diocese. Currently, I cannot think of any ordinary in the world or anyone living in or around the Vatican who accepts the traditional teaching of E.E.N.S., probably about 10 French bishops all over the world hold to E.E.N.S., but they are not ordinaries. Now, I cannot declare... Anyone a formal heretic, but notice that all Roman Catholic bishops who reject E.E.N.S. are technically material heretics Hmm. and therefore schismatics, for according to St. Thomas Aquinas in the Summa, whoever is a heretic is also a schismatic. Wow. Uh, Keep in mind that any Eastern Orthodox bishop who would also be called a schismatic before Vatican II obviously rejects E.E.N.S. in reference to the Roman Catholic Church, Of course, any evangelical Protestant pastor who the Catholic Church would also call a heretic before Vatican II also obviously rejects E-E-N-S in reference to the Catholic Church. But so do all the Catholic bishops today, except perhaps Archbishop Vigano, Schneider, Grassita, Williamson, uh, the SSPS bishops, and Sadie Vacantis bishops. And uh, he invites you to, to email him if you know of any other names. Um, I'm not sh- I'm not saying that all these normie bishops are going to hell for the diversion from traditional doctrine. I'm not their judge. Maybe they all have have reduced culpability by inheriting a wonky doctrine they didn't want. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. In other words, Ruben, he's saying that they're malformed. That's what he's yeah, saying. Exactly. They never heard this in seminary. Come no. on, Ruben. You know, since the 60s, they haven't heard E.E.N.S. No uh, in, 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 in any seminary. <laughs>
1: So, go ahead. Go ahead. As I doubt you... it. So, I'm also not saying they're going to heaven either. But yeah. in any case, I'm just saying that the current lot of Catholic bishops in Eastern Orthodox and Evangelicals are technically all in the same category as they all reject EENS. Thus, I am not going to treat an Ethiopian Orthodox metropolitan any differently from, say, the Roman Catholic archbishop of a large archdiocese in Europe. I will treat both with charity with deference and with the acceptance of the fact that they all have valid sacraments but are technically schismatic
2: the fact that they have the fact they have all rejected the traditional catholic faith must give us a clue as to why father amorth applied this line to non-catholics delivering ministry in the first few paragraphs it says quoting from the gospel of uh, mark chapter 9 verse 38 to 41 It is also true that the intention, perhaps greatly in this case, especially in this full eclipse of the visibility of the Catholic Church. So imagine the particular judgment of the Roman Catholic bishops and cardinals who currently prevent who currently preventing people from entering the Catholic Church. Matthew twelve, thirty to thirty one. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Mm -hmm. Collateral circulation is a cardiac term in medicine. Father is a former paramedic, so he's drawing from his paramedic background. He says, when a major artery on the heart, in this case by analogy, the Catholic priesthood is clogged, the heart creates a vascular system around the obstructed artery called collateral circulation. This perfusion of cardiac tissue is a compensatory plan, not the original design. But as Dr. Malcolm in the original Jurassic Park movie says, life finds a way. Yes, it's still going through Mary, the Mediatrix of All Graces. Yes, it's still going through the Catholic Church. But even St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas hold that actual graces or prevenient graces can come into the lives of the unbaptized. That's interesting. Mm. I'll read that again. Even actual graces or prevenient graces can come into the lives of the the unbaptized according to St. Augustine and St. Thomas of Aquinas. He says, I blogged here in the Life Update section of my site about how many people are coming to Christ through private revelations during dreams currently in the 21st century. Yeah, he's talking about the tens of thousands of Muslims that are seeing Jesus Christ appear to them and they're coming into the Catholic Church or the Orthodox Church. Hmm. He writes, apparently, if international missionaries have been nearly sunk by ecumenism, that term that carried the devil's lie of opening the church to the world, then Christ himself will go in search of the lost sheep across the globe. Mm. And even with seven books missing from the Bible, I find that the evangelicals in my life tend to be tend to hold to more of the Catholic deposit of faith <laughs> than the average uh, novus ordo mass bishop in my life. You know, I'm thinking of got you know Mike Huckabee, Lindell, mm. the Franklin Graham, John MacArthur, Greg Laurie. Some of these guys sound more Catholic Reuben than our bishops. Uh, Father says, so while I hold to outside the church there's no salvation, I have to ask, who is truly more Catholic these days between an evangelical who believes at least in the divine revelation of the Bible and a putatively conservative bishop who promotes von Balthasar's dare we hope all might be saved garbage? Hmm. I'm at the point where I believe the term Catholic has more to do with the data points on supernatural faith than with color vestments you put on. Good point. We'll continue talking about Father Dave Nick's well-written article. Jesus 911,
0: stick around. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151.
1: We're back, Jesus 911. We're talking about an article that our friend uh, Father Dave Nix wrote on he who is not against us is for us. And um, he's making some great points and uh, talking about the the um, outside the church, there's no salvation, which he 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 pens E-E-N-S, Extra Ecclesia Nolo Salas. So he's saying, Father says that I'm not saying anyone from heretical Nova Sordo mass bishops to megachurch evangelicals to even myself, he says, is going to be saved without grace just because we're in a different time in church history. But I do do know— Difficult, difficult. difficult. Yeah. Oh, in a difficult time in, in church history. But I do know that the current Vatican apparatus, soteriology of universalist Unitarianism, opposed publicly not by not a single cardinal in the entire world, by the way, is clearly not the Catholicism preached by the apostles who originally asserted that Christ crucified and the Magisterium is the only way to see the blessed Trinity forever in heaven. <clears throat> justice is taking him guts to write this because he, you know you don't hear <laughs> that's this. why he
2: that's why he's a traveling hermit ruben yeah because yeah i mean he's persona non grata in in most places yeah
1: but uh the good thing is that he's still got he he's still within you know his bishop is still uh, well yeah, still he still faculties bishop. yeah yeah, yeah he's all faculties yeah remember that according to the classic roman definition schism refers to a group who has valid sacraments but does not recognize the primacy of place of the Roman Pope. From 1054 to 1964, the Catholic Church called the Eastern Orthodox schismatic. But in 2022, after 60 years of mind-blowing confusion from Rome, we must ask, schism is now tantamount to separation from whom? Separation from the two popes? (laughs) Hmm. since 2013 Hmm. we have had two popes right publicly recognize each other as the other valid pope as seen in the uh, well there's a picture if you look at the article there's a picture of the two popes how can we traditional Catholics call the Eastern Orthodox schismatic just for refraining from being in union with our last 60 60 years of Roman popes including the two popes now who themselves tell the Eastern Orthodox not to become Catholic
2: (laughs) at least one of them tells them not to become Catholic yeah
1: he says I'm not in the slightest <laughs> I'm not in the slightest tempted to leave Jesus Christ crucified and risen or traditional Catholicism or the full deposit of faith. So don't panic if I occasionally quote a non-catholic in a favorable favorable light from time to time. It doesn't mean I'm I'm going into their squad. In fact, the apostle Paul once quoted a pagan poet to make a point when speaking in the Areopagus and he and that that quote is and from the book of Acts 17:22 to 25, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription. To the unknown God, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath, and everything, that's pretty profound from a from a pagan. That yeah, what's that? Go ahead. Yeah,
2: James. and you have a, a Father Nick's right there in the article. He's got a picture of Dennis Prager, mm-hmm. who he considers a man of goodwill. You know, he he says these people oftentimes uh they're he you know he'll he'll call them fellow travelers. We're traveling in the same direction, at least in terms of the culture wars. And in terms of fact, they're at least theists. They believe that there's, you know, a God who gave us the Ten Commandments. Father writes, Often when I quote a non-Catholic, unrightly believing, un- unrightly believing topic X, Y, or Z, it may be an a fortiori argument as to why Catholics should believe X, or Y, or Z all the more. In such a case, the word even is extremely important to what I'm asserting. For example... If even an unbaptized conservative Jew, Dennis Prager, believes killing the unborn is wicked, so also should every Catholic. Indeed, one hazard with following me online without knowing me in real life is that people might see the above picture of Dennis Prager and I and assume that I didn't evangelize him because he's just smiling. In fact, I did evangelize him at a dinner in a diner in California with a few mutual friends earlier this year. He wasn't offended. I also learned some things from him on how to better fight this culture war against leftists. It's something we're united on. It doesn't mean we pretend in ecumenism. We believe the same theolo- It doesn't mean we pretend in ecumenism. We believe the same theology for for salvation. So, if you're tempted to freak when I quote an Eastern Orthodox person or a Protestant, you should probably find a different traditional priest online to follow and donate to. I really don't need policing unless I myself speak or write heresy. In which case, I hope you write to correct me. Short of that, please know, I'm in no danger of becoming ec- ecumenical just because I occasionally quote a non-Catholic politician or poet as St. Paul did. Or just because you see me with a bad Catholic. Also, you don't have to write to tell me that President Donald Trump has been married more than once. I already know that. I believe that none of us are ever going to find another person online with whom we agree with 100% of the time. Nope. Accepting heresy, of course, I think 90%, I think 90% overlap on political issues is enough to keep listening to an online Catholic you mostly agree with. Mm.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, of course, we all should keep evangelizing people towards traditional Catholicism. But we shouldn't be shocked that many evangelicals and Eastern Orthodox and even conservative Jews are extremely scandalized by the leftist Vatican tactics right now. Therefore, it's hard for them to discern entrance into the Catholic Church as decent, conservative Christians. I think frequently of this quote on Extra Ecclesia Nolosalis from Pope Pius IX from the 19th century, as I consider one current crisis. This is the, the quote By faith, it is to be firmly held that outside the Apostolic Roman Church, none can achieve salvation. This is the only ark of salvation. He who does not enter into it will perish in the flood nevertheless equally certain it is to be held that those who suffer from invincible ignorance of the true religion are not for this reason guilty in the eyes of the Lord Pope Pius the ninth and uh, he's quoting denziger page uh, uh, is 1647 um, and an ott lurid arc uh, page 312 you know um, just that's also that, that that term invincible ignorance is it's thrown around really lightly, you know, as if, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, he, he doesn't know any better. Uh, but with this day and age, there's really no um, no excuse <laughs> to, to not be able to learn the and, truth.
2: Yeah, in the 20 and 21st century, it's gonna, you're going to be hard pressed when you die and see the Lord and say, I was invincibly ignorant that Jesus Christ started the Catholic Church. I was invincibly ignorant that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. You're going to have, be hard pressed to argue in the age of the internet, the age of information, uh, when you die and, and go before the judgment seat of Christ.
1: And I've had some, I've had some, you know, pretty, um, pretty good uh, talks with some Protestant friends, and and you know, sometimes I'll throw that at them, you know, at the end because they're just you're, you can't. There's no reasoning with some of these guys, and and I say, okay, well, just remember, and I look at my watch. Okay, it's it's now ten o'clock on, you know, September twenty second. Okay. So you're not going to be be able to claim invincible ignorance because on this day, I told you that you know, I, mm-hmm. I tell them, you know, Jesus Christ started the one true church and, and he wants you to be part of it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so they kind of look at me kind of strange, but, uh, so we just, uh, we, we go our separate ways, but you know, you just keep praying for them. And, and I yeah. think it's interesting what he says that we evangelize people towards traditional Catholicism. Jesse, since we started the show, you know, um, We've been trending in that direction, and, and I can't tell you how many people that are, that I know or they, they they email me saying that they're now attending, you know, the traditional Latin Mass. And, uh, you know, just a guy the other day, a deputy, in fact, you know, he says, I went to my first Latin Mass over in Alhambra, you know, at St. Therese uh, with the Carmelites, and uh, I think it's a Norbertine that does the Mass there, but... Uh, you know, and and they love it. He wants to know where he can get a missile, and and uh, and it. The, the reason um, it's it's becoming, I guess, it's popular because it it's really challenging them. The mass is something that's it's the most um, it's the most beautiful thing this side of heaven, and 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 so when you 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 people you send them to some of these Novo sardo parishes, they lose their faith because they, especially if they're coming from. From like a, a a very conservative Protestant background, you know, yeah. they say I've been reading about this stuff in the Catholic Church, and yeah, because there are
2: some conservative conservative liturgical Protestant backgrounds, like High Church Protestants, Episcopalians, yeah, you know, the Anglicans, the, yeah. the yeah. Anglicans, yeah. Dutch Reformed, the Reformed churches, they have a liturgy and they have a high liturgy. They have they have they have organs and stuff. And so when they walk into a banjos or electric guitars, they're saying, "What is this?"
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got a whole drum set up there on the on the altar right guy banging away like ringo star you know <laughs> I, I, you know that that wasn't happening at the foot of the cross so it shouldn't be happening at, at mass you know
2: hey ruben here's here's a you like this one i tell people that the, the first latin mass was at the foot of the cross <laughs> think think no think about this so we we know we know what the mass is it is it is calvary made present or the once and for all sacrifice of calvary Represented in every altar when the words of consecration are prayed. So at Calvary, that was the first Mass because all the enemies of Christ around him were praying in Latin. He had Yeah, he had people there all around, witnesses. They're praying in Latin. Hey, some were praying in Hebrew. Some were praying in Greek. So the Mass, when it's done properly, those are the three languages that need to be top-heavy. Latin, the language of Mother Church, some Greek, Alleluia's Greek, you know, the Kyrioles, that, that's Greek. Uh, and then uh, every time you say Amen, that's Hebrew. Hosanna, that's Hebrew. So you have Hebrew, Greek sprinkled into the Latin Mass. But, you know, I tell people the first Latin Mass was at the foot of the cross. <laughs> you had people there that were, some were praying, because there were some pagan Romans that converted to Christianity. They were praying in Latin. Some were some may have been cursing in Latin. Some were praying in Hebrew. Some may have been cursing in Hebrew. Some were praying in Greek. Some may have been cursing in Greek. But there was there was definitely a mass going on on Calvary, yeah. and it wasn't in English or Spanish or Chinese.
1: No mariachis there, just nope. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he goes on. Let, yeah, go to as Father goes on to say, notice that invincible ignorance means certain people don't know Christ or the fullness of the positive faith, where they could not have known better. Invincible ignorance, on the other hand, means that they could have known better, but still rejected Christ. Now, I'm not not making excuses for anyone not becoming Catholic, but realize that on the streets, I'm much more compassionate to non-Catholics than than how I berate the heretical hierarchy on this blog. Mm. We'll be right back. Pick this up on the other side of the break.
0: Now back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151.
1: Jesus 911, where iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. We're, re- we're referring to Father Dave Nix's article on He Who Is Not Against Us is for Us. And, um,
2: he, Ruben, let me just mention God. one thing about invincible ignorance. <clears throat> it is it is something that you do find in Scripture, but again, I think it it, it can be abused. Yep. In in Luke chapter twelve, verse forty nine, it says, "Everyone to whom much is given, of him much will be required, and of him to whom to whom men commit much, they will demand the more." Here is. Here's two other ones in John, which are very clear. This one's probably the the, the clearest teaching I've ever heard on invincible ignorance right from the New Testament, right from the lips of Christ. It's in John chapter 9, verse 41. It reads, uh, yeah, John 9, 41. It says, Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains mm. so that's a clear teaching that somebody can be blind to the truth they have Jesus says they have no guilt but once you now that you see now your guilt remains he also says the same thing in John 1522 so this is right from the lips of our Lord so there are people who's again who do fall into this camp but I think it can be abused in the 20th century it's going to be hard to plead that case that you don't you didn't know yeah John 15 22 here's another one it says very clear the words of our lord jesus christ if i had not come and spoken to them they would not have sin but now they have no excuse for their sin why because he's spoken to them yeah so there's a theology of, of in utero of, of, of invincible ignorance but let's go back to the article
1: okay i uh, just finished up this paragraph yeah the father says uh he, he says that he's much more compassionate to non-catholics than how I berate the heretical hierarchy on this blog. Why? Because such false shepherds are blocking the way of Christ's potential sheep into the fold. I know very well that there are many broken sheep out there searching for the truth, but what they see from the mainstream Catholic media is a total different religion from what is found on this website.
2: Hmm. Go ahead. We, must, we really must pray that these wolves governing the Catholic Church leave us so that we shepherds like me, who am very weak, says Father Nick's, but at least believe in outside the church there's no salvation— <clears throat> may continue shepherding evangelicals and others on the street And my pathway into the Catholic Church With less resistance coming from the top I feel the same way yeah, yeah. Keep in mind the classic truths I'm promoting Never would have been controversial hundred years ago Thus, it's the hierarchy that has changed Not the Catholic faith This can only be explained by the Here it is By the the, the true third secret of Fatima Namely, that the apostasy would start at the top no, an apostasy of the hierarchy from the top has never been predicted in any Marian apparition before Fatima. So don't tell me we've seen we've seen times this dark in church before.
1: Nope.
2: I have. I see so many good <clears throat> blue collar conservatives around the country, like people doing truckers' chapels, also near my home in the above picture, attempting to follow Christ as best they can. But why would they become Catholics, seeing woke? seen seen woke left in the hierarchy leftists following their satanic religion continue to commandeer the so-called catholic and jesuit universities in their attempts to steal money and destroy minds but the grassroots christians all over the world are perhaps those who the apostle paul would not would call not mighty and not noble in 1 corinthians 125 st paul says for the foolishness of god is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For see your vocation, brethren, that there are not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But the foolish things of the world hath God chosen, that he may confound the wise, and the weak things of the world hath God chosen, that he may confound the strong. Hmm. Yeah, In heaven, you're going to see a complete, a complete inversion of, of, of what we saw in America. You're going to see... a the person, you know, the old lady from the Legion of Mary would go into daily mass, praying her rosary before mass. She's going to have a high exalted place in heaven. And you're going to see people like Brandon and others that are going to have a low place if they even get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they may have be in the. if they don't repent, they're going to be in the deepest bowels of hell. Yeah. By God's grace, many conservative Americans are already becoming traditional Catholics despite the scandals in the Catholic Church. We must evangelize these people towards traditional Catholicism, but we also must be clearly patient with people of goodwill, especially due to his, this church crisis where leftists and the hierarchy make the entire Catholic Church look like an enormous cult of unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't be scandalized that even, un, that even the unbaptized receive what St. Augustine call prevenient graces at the extraordinary rates before people are even able to recognize advanced terms like Outside the church, there's no salvation. Ruben?
1: Yeah, that pravenia grace is just that phrase used to describe the grace given by God that precedes the act uh, of a sinner exercising saving faith in Jesus Christ. So pravenia graces are why I am such a believer in collateral circulation. When the Catholic priesthood, God's chosen method of salvation, is clogged by heresy and schism, God is not bound to our sloth as he saves souls, I believe. Mary and the Catholic Church are the con- conduit of all graces, but these initial graces may come in unusual ways as the visibility of the Catholic Church seems to be in full eclipse, as that one prophecy predicted. And uh, um, no, I'm not proposing Rahner's preposterous anonymous Christian, for Rahner promoted a Neo Pelagianism where one could be saved without the grace of Jesus Christ. That's just, that's ludicrous. <clears throat> but he all well, right call Ronald. another was,
2: modernist jesuit from the 60s yeah
1: and he was there at vatican too. he's one of the yep one of the experts know, parities, yeah. yeah so i do want to go into this last uh, story i think we um sure go ahead okay so i ponder so there's a fictional story that he quotes it's called antichrist by soloviev a russian man who converted from eastern orthodox to catholic shortly after writing this around the year 1900 he says, I find it fascinating because in Solaviv's uh, account, God uses the final Antichrist at the end of the time to unite the remaining faithful Catholics, Roman Catholics, led by Pope Peter II, and Eastern Orthodox, led by Elder John, and Protestants, led by Professor Pauly, all under the final Roman Catholic Pope, again, Pope Peter II. Notice as you read the closing quote that I'm not saying it's it's good enough to die a typical Eastern Orthodox man or a typical American evangelical gal. But in that fictional account by Soloviv, it is Divine Providence who ironically uses the final Antichrist to unite all faithful Christians into becoming Catholics at the very last scene of Earth's history. Yes, Soloviv's uh, Antichrist has killed the final Christians, but they are all found incorrupt for they have had all just united as Catholics under the final pope. Pope Peter the Second. Notice also that very last sentence regarding a brilliant light is the second coming of Christ in His glory. Go ahead, Jess.
2: The party that came for the bodies found them quite untouched by decomposition, not even stiff or heavy. They put them on stretchers and covered them with the clothes they had brought with them. Then, by the same circuitous route, they returned to their followers. They had hardly lowered the stretcher to the ground when suddenly the spirit of life could be seen re-entering the deceased bodies. The bodies moved swiftly as if they were trying to throw off the cloaks in which they were wrapped. With shouts of joy, everyone lent them aid, and soon both the revived men rose to their feet, safe and sound. Then said Elder John, Ah, my little children, we have not parted after all. I will tell you this. It is time that we carry out the last prayer of Christ for his disciples, that that they should be all one, even as he himself is one with the Father. For this unity in Christ, let us honor our beloved brother Peter, Let him at last pastor the flocks of Christ. There it is, brother. And he put his arms around Peter. Again, this is a story, a fictitious story being shared by uh, Solaviv on the Antichrist at the end of time. Then Professor Polly came near. You are Peter, he said to the Pope. Now it has been thoroughly proven and put beyond any doubt. And he shook Peter's hand firmly with his own right hand while he stretched out his left hand to John, saying, Now then, dear father, we are now one in Christ. In this manner, the unification of churches took place in the midst of a dark night on a high and deserted spot. But the nocturnal darkness was suddenly illuminated with brilliant light. Um, you know, Ruben, this story, to me, this is plausible. That the only thing that's going to unite us at the very end, after when the Antichrist comes, is going to be the Antichrist is going to unite the Catholics, Protestants, and Orthodox but they are all going to know they're going to come under Holy Mother Church, under the big brother, the Catholic Church. And at that point, it, it is said that we are going to have a good holy pope at the time of the Antichrist mm-hmm. uh, that's going to uh, defend Holy Mother the Church.
1: Yeah, I mean, you when you read Catholic prophecy, that this kind of trends in that direction, that what this guy is saying, that it's going to be, a, the, you know, like you said, uh, under the banner of of Peter, you know, and... <clears throat> And the church, so it could very very well happen. I believe that's how it's going to happen eventually. If makes sense, it makes
2: sense. It makes sense because uh, again, prophecy says that we're going to have a good pope, uh, you know, to, to help us through the tribulation at the time of the Antichrist, yeah. and uh, well, it can't get
1: any worse than what we have now,
2: just r- r- No, no, you're right. There's, there could only be an improvement from this point on, and it all, it also makes sense that Christ's prayer in John seventeen twenty one. Yeah. It's finally going to become true Mm. at the point of persecution where we're all going to unite Mm. under a holy
1: roman pope right and jesus says in that verse i pray father that they may be one as you and i are one you know so jesus prayers are not going to go out void yes
2: it's going to happen it's going to happen
1: yeah it's
2: it's just not like i think or you know bite your nails and you know uh, you know you know, um, cross your fingers. No, this is gonna. This is Christ's prayer. It the church will be totally united. Protestants and Orthodox will come under the under the, uh, the umbrella of the Holy Mother, the Church, and it will be before the second coming of Christ. Christ's prayer in John seventeen twenty one is going to come true because what Jesus Christ says and prays, it comes to pass.
1: That's right. That's right. So. Yeah. Anyway, uh He made some good points in this article, Ruben. Really good stuff. Really good
2: stuff. Yeah. Again, um Protestants, I think that there's a lot of them that are people of good will. Uh you know, in fact in the Dewey rheims Bible, if you read Luke chapter two, verse fourteen, the angels pray when they see Jesus Christ, the birth of Christ, and they say, in the Dewey rheims it says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men of good will. Now, Hey, not everybody in Bethlehem, uh, you know, was a follower of Christ, but yet the angels say that there are men of goodwill. Again, I think people like Dennis Prager and others, you know, Mike uh, Huckabee. I think that as they continue pursuing the truth, Christ will reveal Himself to them before they breathe their last. Mm. That's my take.
1: All right, good stuff, Jesse. You've been listening yep. to Jesus 911. Uh, you like the show? Share it and and uh we appreciate your patronage stay tuned for hands-on apologetics with gary mishuda from the midwest command center remember we're still in the month of september month of our our lady of sorrows pray her chaplet i've been doing that myself very powerful and remember we're in our ember days we talked about that on tuesday so friday and saturday doing your fasting We'll be right back, we'll be back tomorrow.